Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 161. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Pretty cool thing we got going on in the Facebook chat here. People getting badges. My dad chiming in. He's an anniversary follower of the page. Okay. Uh, what's going on, Matt? Just, so I, I, you know, I wanted to ride my bike here today. Um, I have no clue how to work a bike pump. That's what I've learned. <laughs> I had about an hour and a half struggle, literally, of just trying to figure out how what kind of bike pump I even have, what type of like valve my tire has. It was a very fruitless effort because I ended up having to drive here. And I was trying to like, you know, get good exercise in, trying to save the environment a little, save some gas. Nope. Just God did not want that to be the way that I, he did not instill me with the knowledge of how to properly work a uh, bike pump. So I'm going to have to do some more YouTube troubleshooting. But it was like impossible to find, I guess, because it's just supposed to be that easy. <laughs> I could not find like anything. And I'm usually pretty good at being able to find like tutorials and like yeah. how-to videos and stuff nothing i uh, like i literally spent over an hour trying to figure this out and i just absolutely couldn't i was defeated this morning so outside of that pretty okay because it's beautiful out it is and uh we've got some big things going on today um first of all it is national fantasy football draft day so uh later tonight around 7 30 make sure you're following us on twitch because myself dylan mazzola and mikey ostrowski will be live on our twitch channel live streaming our league that we've been in for over half a decade now and uh we'll be given you know analysis of what goes on and all that good stuff and there will be jokes and all that good stuff so twitch.tv slash underground sports phi around 7 30 tonight it'll be tweeted out so if you're not already follow us on twitter at underground phi and uh herman alex are on their way to albany right now to uh go cover the pll for us for outside the box so make sure you're following them on all their socials as well and keep leaving those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. goes a long way for other people finding the podcast. And uh, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, one thing, though, that we need to uh, address is... Yeah, do we have to? <laughs> just call the kids up, guys. At this point. We've, we've said it for about a month now. Um, but the Phillies somehow blow a touchdown lead to the Marlins last night. They were up 7 nothing, and in one inning... Vince Velasquez gives up seven runs. The Phillies end up losing, I believe it was 18 to 11, 19 to 11. 19, 19. Um, just Football score, honestly. Kind of astounding. Yeah, just absolutely abysmal. Um, I don't know. know, dude. Offense looked great. We had 11 runs. No Bryce. That's great, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the defense, though, was 
putrid. Uh, the pitching, terrible, to say the least. I think that's generous, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and the the sad thing is Vince looked pretty okay through the first two innings, and then implosion happened. And then you bring in Juan Nicasio. He throws two pitches before he gets hurt because Gabe's rushing him out there. Uh, and didn't get enough time to warm up. Gabe Kapler might have mismanaged a situation. <laughs> wow. Um, That's quite the... Uh, I think Gabe Kapler deserves to be fired for his performances against the Marlins alone. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with everything else Gabe does, but I don't know how... Okay, so I actually looked this up, because I feel like we've talked about this before, about mm-hmm. how much we suck against the Marlins. I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what the numbers say. Because, you know, like sometimes you might feel a certain way about, you know certain teams or performances and it's actually not the case so i looked up the last two seasons because that's when we've been competitive but i even looked like going back further in our historical like kind of play against the marlins so can can you guess what our record over the last two seasons has has been against the marlins we've played 32 games so far against them so like how many wins do you think we have so so i know we're six and eight against them this year um and last year was not much better um want to say it's like it's like 19 you're close we have 17 wins we, okay. were, we were six and eight this year and we were 11 and eight last year um which you know is not great because the marlins both of those years absolutely terrible and especially this year when we're trying to be competitive when you can't beat the like bottom like dredges of your own division mm-hmm. you know at least at like play them at like a 650 level you know something yeah. like that you know um so i was like all right well let's see what the rest of the division is like what do you think the Braves' record Oof. against the Marlins is over the last two years? Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll give them 26 wins. You're close. Uh, 29. <laughs> They're 29 and 9, whereas we are 17 and 15. So if you look at the gap between us and the Braves, literally, <laughs> it is because they beat up on the Marlins and we can't. Unreal. However,. What do you think the Nats record? This one was shocking to me. I'll just say this was mm. truly shocking to me. The the Nationals record the last two years against the Mets. Against the Mets or against the Marlins? Oh, uh, Marlins. Sorry, sorry. Um, I'll give them twenty. No less. Yes. Wow. Uh, let's hit them with fifteen. <laughs> less. Wow. Um, ten. The Nationals are 9-23 and 23 over wow. the last two years against the Marlins. Just when you think that we have it bad, like, that is... You're talking wow. about room for improvement. And uh, the Mets record against the Marlins. Um, I'll say they have 18 wins. They have 23. They're 23-11. and 11. Uh, 11 and 4 this year. They've, like, absolutely yeah. just... And, but, like... Bludgeoned them. So, you know, we haven't been, like as terrible as like the nationals which was a really shock to me like i could not believe that they're that That's bad absurd. against the marlins um but you're talking about like just barely playing against a 500 level not even this season you know below 500 against the team that just sucks just flat out sucks mm-hmm. that you should be able to beat and you see 19 times a year it should be at least like 14 wins a season honestly we should be at the braves mm-hmm. level of performance against them and again especially you look at the just the gap between us and atlanta this year you're talking about almost the entire gap being made up just from them beating the Marlins more efficiently than we can. And that's like a, a very frustrating level to be on. And actually look further back, we've never really been good against the Marlins. No. Like every year we're always like 11 and 9. Like even going back to 
the like 2007 2010 we were like nine and nine against them Mm -hmm. every year yeah like i don't know what it is about miami but we've never played them well um but i think it's more frustrating these past two years where they've been such a terrible team you know at least during like the past decade they've had a few years where they've had you know these spikes and had you know good performances and in better years than ever but you know i i just think again looking especially at this season and how it's just just felt like we can't beat this these bottom end teams or these mediocre teams and that's that's the difference. Like that is the true difference between us. Even just being a wild card team, you know, mm-hmm. you turn three or four of those losses around, and like, where are you at at that point? And last night was definitely one of the most embarrassing games I think of this season. Which I feel like we say like every two weeks now. Uh, I feel like we always yeah. just get like spanked and like brought down to earth. Um, so yeah, like clearly had to do better against the Marlins. You know, even with like the Nationals' performances against them, we're still the second worst in the division at beating up on them. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Mets and the Braves both just doing a much better job at, you know, cleaning up against Miami. So if there's an area for improvement, Gabe, there it is. Because, <laughs> we, you know, you just pick up a few extra wins against them and you, you, it's just a completely different scenario for yourself now. There's no reason that you should have a 7 nothing lead and the game ends with you using a position player, a.k.a. Gabe's best friend, Sean Rodriguez, to finish out the game. Like, that should never happen. You should not be up 7 nothing, you know, in the third inning and then a position player is on the mound for you to finish the game because you don't want to tax the rest of your bullpen for the rest of this series. You shouldn't – I don't even think you should be blowing a 7 nothing lead against, like, any anybody. Like, that, you know, even, like – even the Dodgers, I think you'd be saying, all right, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what – like, how – you know – um and I think we've we've almost done that a few times this year, though. I remember a Mets game where we were up like eleven nothing in the first mm-hmm. inning, and they didn't come back. We ended up winning the game, but I think it ended up like they pulled like six or seven back on us, and yeah. it's like okay, uh, let's not. But I I don't know if it's a it's a mental thing. Obviously, again, we didn't have Bryce who's on paternity leave, which is awesome for him. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's great, but you know. It's kind of strange because the offense didn't really struggle much yeah. because the Marlins aren't very good, but you know. It's just like the perfect emblem of this entire season where you know, the offense doesn't really look bad and then just the pitching is just at such a gross level. Like we looked like you brought up the stats on Wednesday about how we were like pretty much like bottom five mm-hmm. in every pitching category outside of NOLA days. Um, we looked at last night like that was that was as bad. That was really actually I think the worst pitching performance we've had this entire year. Even like the Robertson like walking the Nationals to win like that was such a mental and physical implosion and just a complete mismanagement of the situation by Gabe Kapler that's like you can't even blame one person because I think everyone deserves like a hundred percent of the blame <laughs> like the players deserve it Gabe deserves it I, I just I don't know where like I don't know where it all went wrong I, like, I really don't yeah and our uh statistician via the twitter.com Johnny Heller who uh does all this stuff for Phillies Nation uh, he's going to do you one better with your stats against the Marlins. Just for 2019 alone, uh, the Nationals are 10-3 and with a plus-23 run differential against the Marlins. Uh, the Braves, 15-4 and with a plus-33 run differential against the Marlins. The Mets, 11-4 and with a plus-29 run differential. And our Philadelphia Phillies... Six and eight with a minus one run difference. So I actually think I read the Nationals and Marlins thing backwards now. Now okay. that I'm looking at that, I think it's the opposite. So we're actually the worst in the division. Yeah. I think I might have actually looked at Marlins against the Nationals. Okay. So actually the Nationals then are ten and three and thirteen and six. So they're they have twenty three and nine against the Marlins the last two years. 
So we're not even the second worst now. Yeah. We are far and away the worst. <laughs> and since June 21st, the Phillies are 1-6 against the Marlins. They're 26-20 and 20 against all other teams during that span. It just makes you feel great. It's You know what's great, too, is we have more games to play against the Marlins, you know? <laughs> and since the beginning of August, too, this is from last night, the Phillies have gone 3-9 and nine against teams with a record below 500, and they've been outscored 78-55 to 55 in these games. It's disgusting. That's it's abysmal. I don't like... You know, I'm like... I, I'm half-joking when I say Gabe deserves to be fired on those results alone, but it's also like there is... M- there is a case to be made that that is be, that's beyond unacceptable right like again obviously especially in a sport like baseball you're gonna have like tough losses just through the course of the season mm-hmm. you're gonna lose to bad teams but it is a clear it's not it's just a a thing now with this yeah. team where they just drop it to, to lower games and I, I think it has to at this point be like a mental preparation uh thing you know like it's it's beyond just like simple variance at this point it's this team sucks at playing sucky teams, and it just, and it's frustrating as a fan too because you know, you know what? Like a week and a half ago, we we're talking about sweeping the Cubs and feeling great about that, and then we go lose the series to the Padres, and then we sweep the Red Sox in Boston. You know, a, a pretty good team. You know, yeah, probably we won't be a, to talk about that. We swept the Red Sox. You know, we probably probably won't be a playoff team this year just because of how kind of difficult the AL is. But like, that's a that's a really strong team that you go in there and sweep. In like I wouldn't say convincing fashion, but certainly like really held your own in Boston, mm-hmm. which is an easy play, place to play either. It was the first series win the Phillies have had in Boston since 1999. So there you go. But then you just get absolutely <laughs> torched by the Marlins like four days later, and it just it just doesn't make sense. So I I don't know what Gabe is doing wrong in this situation, and it's like impossible for us to know, of course, but. There's very clearly something wrong with how we approach these just bottom feeder teams, and you like it's just it's ultimately frustrating too because you just think about where this team could be if you just played these teams a little better, if if you just picked up like five or six extra wins against these just again just terrible teams like the White Sox series mm-hmm. in the beginning of the month, like how how is this going so wrong against these teams it just it doesn't make any the sense the padres like padres you know like a pretty average team a team that you'd expect to at least win the series against maybe not necessarily sweep but the diamondbacks a middle of the road team like. I just, and that was like right after they sold off a lot of their pieces mm-hmm. so very clear the direction that that team was going in um i don't know man i like it's it's incredibly incredibly frustrating though yeah, I mean, it's something that is just, it's not even uh, just like an all shucks, like we'll get them tomorrow type thing. It is clearly something that is wrong with this team when it comes to playing against lesser competition. They just play down, it's like the Flyers, they're playing down to competition, and they play up to the teams that are better than them. I think there's actually quite a it's actually like starting to form a pretty interesting bond between the Flyers and the Phillies in terms oh. of like just this wild inconsistency. And there's certainly not the debate about like the the coaching just yet. But I do think if this season ends like how it's very much looking like it's going to be, which is playoff list, like not even a wild card mm-hmm. game, um, you're going to hear a lot of like anti Gabe talk. I'd like oh, there's yeah. it's already been those seeds planted literally from his first day on the job, but. Now, the thing you I'm know. seeing more is the anti-Klentak talk. Oh, my God. Which, 
more or less. Which also um, follows with Flyers because there was a lot of anti-Hextall yes. stuff about like, uh, well, he's like directionless. He just gets all these like prospects, doesn't actually make, you know, high level moves. And the whole Klintak thing is, you know, he just thinks he's smarter than everyone and he's just trying to make these marginal moves and doesn't want to go out there and make the big, you know, splash to fill out this roster completely and just wants to prove to everyone that the moves he makes are smarter than everyone else. Yeah, it's it's tough to say like from the from an outside perspective like just who's at fault here. Um, and I don't necessarily want like anyone fired just yet. Like mm-hmm. I'm not at the point where I'm like, okay, like serious change needs to be made because I think Gabe is kind of working with a pitching unit on the whole that is just terrible. Yeah. And like I I don't I don't think you can really blame him for how bad the personnel is, right? Like. I think you can blame him for some of the uh, management issues in terms mm-hmm. of like their mental just readiness. You know, like if there's been like half of our pitching roster is openly openly talked about this year. You know, just in like press pools about how them yo-yoing out of like relief to starters has really messed with them. Um, and like this is like for a lot of them just been like a really difficult year of just being a human. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think you're seeing that at the fringes of the roster as well. Like Nick Williams had yeah. a whole interview about how this is the worst year of his life and that, you know, he understands like, you know, he's not the best player, but he feels like he's maybe been given like some unfair opportunities mm-hmm. or lack of at the top level. And Michael Franco, when he got sent down, you like, know, and, like, and Fran- then you call him up and then you don't even start him. You start Brad Miller, who's been awful. But he brought the bamboo, Kyle, so. Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> yeah, and Charlie Manuel was the August bamboo. Yeah, I. It's just. Um, I wonder what September's going to be. I don't know, but maybe like Bryce's baby. I, that's actually. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. That's what's next. Is like post. He's going to come back. Post Bryce dad. Like. <laughs> um, but and the, and the not annoying thing, but the frustrating thing is, is like this team is still in it. Yeah, like you can't even completely just give up. And yeah. Like, well, whatever. Like September is going to be. As annoying as it's probably going to be. Because you know why. It's going to be meaningful. I'm telling you exactly what's going to happen. We're going to be right in the wild card yep. hunt to the last series against the Marlins. And we're going to, I'm we're telling gonna you. We're going to get swept. We're going to need to win like just one out of the three. And we're going to get swept. That's that's exactly we'll, we'll how the rest that of national, season, That five game national series. Win four or five games. Be right there. And then the Marlins will beat us and knock us out of a playoff spot. Be, that would be so Phillies. That would literally define this season to a T. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know what happened. But you bring up September, Matt, and like Spencer Howard's a guy that I've been pounding the table for since probably the spring training. Um, you've gotten on board with him and Alec Bohm as well. Matt Gelb put a piece out in the Athletic a couple days ago uh, after Spencer Howard pitched for Double A Reading uh, through another six scoreless innings. He has a two five two ERA with a thirty two strikeout to six walks rate. And has only given up two home runs in 25 innings pitched at Double A Reading, which is essentially where you want your hitters to go thrive because that ballpark is so condensed. So to only have given up two home runs uh, while in Double A in 25 innings pitched, if he's not an option for this team to pitch in September down the stretch because he hasn't pitched that much, there's an issue. Yeah, I think as like as much as I want to see Bohm on the Phillies like this year, mm-hmm. I could like make my peace with him not seeing him until next year because I think generally speaking, 
you know, third base has been like a problem position all year, but like you have like enough like to just kind of get through the rest of the season. I think with Howard, there's really no case that you could make that, you know, like you can make a case for Bohm staying down, right? And it works on a few different levels, like financial and, you know, from just player wise. But for Howard, like we, that's a real position of need, like genuine, like we, we need pitching yes. at, at, in any form. So to not have him on the roster in September, I think would be, uh, I don't know how you like make your peace with that, honestly, because we need him. Like We could, yeah. we could use any help we get. You know, you look at the guys that we've picked up just of off of, you know, just random deals, free agents, and like these little tiny trades where we mm-hmm. actually give up nothing. And they've like, been decent. Yeah, they've been decent guys. Like we're taking flyers on them, but like you have somebody. Can you tell me that like Spencer Howard is going to be any worse than Drew Smiley? Not at all. You know, like can you tell me that he's going to be any worse than Vince Velasquez? No, like why? Like why give not? Him a shot. Why not give you like your own like homegrown talent an opportunity? To Let perform? him get his feet wet. Yeah, like like I, he's going to be here next year at some point. He's. He's too good to continue to be stashed down in the minors. So we all know Spencer Howard's going to be in this rotation at some point in 2020. Give the fans something to look forward to while this abysmal stretch is going on. Give Aaron Nola some confidence to know that there's a guy behind him that can give this team a one-two punch, unlike what he's had the last two years, you know, while Aaron Nola's been on this incline of his career. Give, give this team some hope when it comes to starting pitching because that has been the biggest issue even back, you know, during the heyday. They couldn't develop starting pitching, so that's why they traded for Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, and Roy Oswald, and Joe Blanton. Like, all you had was Cole Hamels. Yeah. Give yourselves a little bit of a confidence boost and have Aaron Nola and Spencer Howard in the same rotation in September and then have it going forward in 2020. I I would love to see that, but I... I'll be honest. I just have I have just nothing for the Phillies. <laughs> just <laughs> and you know, like soccer's like started back up. So like you know, my weekends are like right now like have one on the background like from like seven thirty in the morning to like four in the afternoon. Like that's all I'm really focusing on. And the Phillies are like they're just losing me. You know, like yep. I I throw the games on in the background if I'm like you know not like out doing something or priorly engaged. And it's just. I don't know. Like, it's hard to, like, get emotionally invested in mm-hmm. this team when they get blown out by the Marlins 19-11, you know, and blow a seven-run lead. It's just, it's just, it's a little difficult. Yes. Um, but like you said, congratulations to Bryce and Kayla. Yeah. Uh, Good baby, for them. Baby Bryce. Why don't you just stay? <laughs> just, you know, Bryce, just... Just relax. Just take all of Take those three off. days. Take a really long Labor Day. Um, prediction on the baby name. We did this a while ago when we found out that uh, Kayla was pregnant, but now that the baby is either here or, you know, going to be here in the next couple days. Is it a boy or a girl? Does anyone uh, know? Um, I want to say it's a boy. Uh, Bryce Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Let me double check that because I think Kayla posted it on her Instagram. Um, what if the baby was like Char- <laughs> Charlie? <laughs> Charlie Reese Harper. Charles Reese Harper. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, Gabriel Harper. Yeah, it's a boy. Okay. Yeah, I he might be like a Bryce Jr. type of person. I could see that, but I don't know. What's the what's his dad's name? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, Maybe he'll do like something like that or like... I feel like Bryce is that type of person. Ron. 
feel like Bryce is that type of person that he would do like his dad's like his grandfather's name or like Kayla's like grandfather's you know like one of those mm-hmm. type of deals which there's nothing wrong with by the way I'm just saying yeah. like seem like they might be that those, family type those thing. kind of kind of people keep it like uh you know keep it like Have giving family down the name. name or like making like at least the middle name like yeah. a family name so I don't know we'll see because uh apparently they said any news will come from Bryce and or Kayla via social media on uh everything so the paternity leave in major league baseball is a maximum of three days so we'll see if bryce oh really yeah so it has to so bryce will either miss this marlin series completely and be back on monday or he'll jet stream down to miami um as we all know jt had his paternity leave was only gone for a day of course this season total jt um but we'll see uh, so my guess is Bryce is just going to miss this weekend series, especially since it's away. Uh, and he'll be back on Monday when uh, the Phillies get back at it against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Woo. Can't wait to have get swept by the Marlins the rest of the way here and uh, then, you know, sweep, just go on the, a tear. sweep the Pirates and, you know, feel good about ourselves again just to get brought back to earth by the Mets of all teams. <laughs> um so yeah, that's our uh, our Phillies feels right now because we love getting embarrassed down in Miami in front of nine thousand fans too that yeah, were in uh, that attendance is, last is that night. That's supposed to help nine thousand. Um, Thursday though, Matt, the Eagles game ended in a all pun intended shocking fashion. Uh, first time I've ever seen a football game get ended due to lightning. Yeah. Um, Eagles lose due to that 26 to 15. Do you remember? I think it was last year that Miami game that got delayed for like yes, five hours because they had the now. like it was like the hurricane I think mm-hmm. or something like it, and it got delayed. I do remember that now? And on like absolutely crazy amount of time. It yeah. was like I think it might have been longer than five. It was like seven. I think. Yeah, it was a one, it was like o'clock, a one o'clock game. And it didn't finish till like I think they were doing like football night in America. And yeah, like it had and just finished. Just ended. Um, I do remember that now. Now that you bring that up, but. Uh, Josh McCown coming out of uh, retirement, been with the Eagles for five days at that point. Just a few days before that, he was in his pool on a on a raft, sipping on White Claws, Rough not a sponsor, life, huh? and uh, comes out and he's just dropping dimes to uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside, who looked like an absolute stud. He is the third Eagles receiver uh, in the preseason to go over a hundred yards in a game. The other two being Jordan Matthews and To. Pretty good company. Some decent company there. Pretty okay company. Like, one of those is great. One of those is... Yeah. Jordan Matthews. Okay. Not terrible. I think JJ... Somebody put it best. JJ is what everyone wanted Jordan Matthews to be. Kind of that big, physical, just get down the field and throw it up to him him in the end zone type of receiver. Um, But he looks good, man. And I'm very excited uh, for him. And just looking at this Eagles draft, now that they're playing, to have gotten Andre Dillard... Miles Sanders and JJ Ortega Whiteside with your th- first three picks is absolutely absurd because all three of them just look ready made, ready to play. Yeah, I th- I think that's uh, really bad. Miles Sanders especially. So mm-hmm. I've been uh, I've been really delving deep into the fantasy football stuff and like you know consuming as much content as I can because I'm really trying to be good at fantasy football mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to trying to do well um, and. Like every every I I I watch and listen to like probably a dozen different people and everyone is very high on Miles yeah. Sanders and these are people too that are a lot more objective than mm-hmm. like an Eagles fan would be of course and you know look much more just actual like production like potential and um, 
literally everyone I, I listen to or watch is saying how impressive Miles Sanders is going to be and that, you know, every year it seems like, too, you always have, you know, there's always at least, like, two or three running backs that everyone's kind of, like, have sneaky high potential mm-hmm. coming into the year. And this year, it's like last year, Nick Chubb was like a yeah. guy that was like, you need to get have Nick Chubb on your roster. Like Kareem Hunt the season before that. And I think this year, like Miles Sanders has certainly been like the most vocal. Yeah, it seems to be Miles Sanders and David Montgomery yeah. from the Bears. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's that's a good situation yes. to find ourselves in. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's it's impressive, you know, what they've done draft wise. And, and I think Dillard as well. He only allowed, he allowed his first pressure of the uh, yeah. the preseason He's as well against the Ravens. So fantastic! Like if you know, knock on wood, you don't want to see Jason Peters go down for an extended amount of time this year. But if it happens, I am like totally okay because Andre Dillard looks like ready made, ready to just go in there and be an absolute beast at left tackle to protect Carson Wentz. Yeah, very, uh, very exciting stuff from the Eagles. And, you know, it's actually okay to lose a preseason game because you don't want to go undefeated in the preseason. Right. I don't think that's ever I, – I I think that's just bad. I, I just think that's just bad juju. I, the I Ravens have won 16 straight preseason games. Well, the Ravens are like – you know, they. you look at the way they ended last season too. Mm-hmm. I think – they're sneaky good. I think, I think they've, you know, got a little slept on because Lamar Jackson had, like, kind of, like, a, a little turbulent start, but, like, the last four or five weeks mm-hmm. of the season was amazing, and, you know, they had, like, Flacco still playing for the first half of the year. So, like, I, I, Ravens, you know, is there any shame in losing them in preseason? Probably not. No. I don't think there's really any shame in losing to anyone in preseason just because, like, I don't – like, results matter a little bit, but ultimately you're – I don't know. Like, you can't put too much stock in, like – You're more or less looking at players. Yeah you know, just how they're playing rather than as a unit. Um, but, I mean, overall, this this Eagles team, I think we can honestly look at the roster right now and predict, like, 98% of it because of how deep this team is and just how good they are across the board at literally every single position now. And that's a good feeling to have going into a season where a lot of analysts, a lot of, you know, quote-unquote experts believe that this Eagles team is the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. And I, th- I think it's just impressive the way that they've – it wasn't, the, like, even a rebuild necessarily, like, from last year, mm-hmm. but just, uh, like, a retooling and, and kind of had to do it on the fly because you have, like, such talent already that you, you know, you, you kind of just have to draft well and um, bring back guys. And, you know, the drafting goes back multiple years as well. So I, th- I think it is impressive that the way that they've just kind of heel turned to – you know, last season wasn't even a disappointing year, you know, obviously by like the standard set the season before, but you know, there's really losing a second round of the playoffs really not, you know, they're the worst things, right? So yeah, I think coming back into the season as I think for a lot of people's money, yeah, the, the NFC, uh, you know, favorite, that's good. And you know, the NFC at the top is, is difficult. You know, we know that like the Rams, the Saints are, are both going to mm-hmm. be just as strong. And you know, the the Packers, if Rodgers can stay healthy this the Vikings year, if- Vikings are, are probably going to be good again. So you know, like to to be counted as if not like one of if you know if some people are saying we are the best out of that group, that's that's a really good mm-hmm. spot to find yourself. Definitely. And uh, the Eagles cut Paul Warlow this week as well. Uh, I feel terrible for him because he so desperately wanted to play for the Eagles, being that he's from Wilmington, Delaware. And, uh, you know, got injured first day of minicamp last year and then uh, got injured again this year. Um, but he signed with the Ravens yesterday, and then it came out this morning for me and Rappaport that one day after signing with the Ravens, he decided he was going to retire. 
Um, but then NJ.com's Mike K came out and said uh, Paul Warlow uh, requested his release from the Ravens so that he could spend time with his wife as they're expecting the birth of their third daughter next month. Uh, and then he said he plans to take uh, the next few weeks to be with his family and then reevaluate his career. And then he also said that he received multiple calls from multiple teams per source, uh, but chose the Ravens due to the proximity of where he lives. So, wishing nothing but the best for Paul Warlow because he just seems like a good dude. And it just sucks that uh, he wasn't able to, you know, crack the roster and play for the team that he grew up rooting for. Always a bummer when you like. I think everyone kind of falls in love with a few guys that uh, you know try to make the roster during preseason and. You know, just the nature of the businesses. They don't always make the cut. And, uh, yeah, that is. It's always a difficult scene in Hard Knocks, which I haven't watched any more of. Yeah. So I don't know if they've they've done that again this year. But always always a bummer when you see guys that you kind of, uh, you, you root for, but then ultimately they just, they don't make it to that absolute top level. But Yeah, and then uh, Bruce Hector was also traded to the Arizona Cardinals for uh, the Eagles to get a safety back. I'm blanking on his name, but... Uh, Mike Hay also says Bruce Hector's going to play for the Cardinals today against the Vikings to prove that uh, he can make their 53-man roster. Um, but, I mean, Howie is the master of making these trades. So to get a guy that, you know, just depth in that safety position where you had a bunch of injuries last year and you don't want another uh, situation to go down like the Tennessee Titans game, I'm I'm all for it. Just making this roster as deep as possible and, uh, in that preseason game, too, it was cool to see Deshaun Jackson back on the, the field. Uh, one thing for certain I can say is that uh, Cody Kessler is not making this team. He looked absolutely terrible. He just didn't give the Eagles any opportunity to have any positive, you know, in that game. And as soon as Josh McCown came in, I was like, all right, here we go. Which is um, if Josh McCown <laughs> is, uh, like, several tiers ahead of you, that's not great. a... Uh, bit of a problem i think <laughs> not great um but yeah the eagles have their their fourth and final preseason game which is where all the guys fighting to make the roster will play uh, next thursday against the jets as they always do and then the regular season starts in like two weeks which is crazy to think about how quickly uh you know this regular season has you know come up upon us and uh, football is back. And like we said in the beginning of the show, make sure you are uh, following us on Twitch because, as Matt brought up, Miles Sanders being a, a fantasy you know darling in terms of the young running backs, we are going to be streaming a fantasy draft on Twitch for draft day because today is National uh, Fantasy Football Draft Day. Feels a little like I always like my drafts to be like right before yeah. this, like two days before the start, just because like. You know, obviously you hope it doesn't happen, but it feels like every year you have, like, one kind of big injury that mm-hmm. happens, like, on, like, the last preseason like game. we or... saw this past week, Cam Newton goes out in a walking boot. Who was it last year that got injured? Right, like, it was, like, right at the end of preseason, like, a few days before. I can't, I can't quite, there was someone that kind of, pretty pretty notable that went down, and everyone was like, oh, here we go. Like, is it Julian Edelman? Yeah, Edelman was one of them, but I think it was a running back. Um, oh, um... Kansas City Chiefs, Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware went down. I feel like it was someone, I don't know. But, like, every year it feels like there's always, like, kind of yeah. one big guy that um, goes down and everyone's like, oh, well, I already drafted, so. Yeah. Or, like, this year, too, you have, like, issues with two pretty pretty key and, like, elite running Elliott, backs that are on Melvin Gordon. holdout watch. And, um, you know, like, realistically right now you could draft Ezekiel Elliott, but in, like, a week he could you know, have already accepted his deal and mm-hmm. be back playing, or he could be out for the season or like half the season. So it's like, Oh, 
Alex Ocasio. It was Darius Geis. Yes, that's, the that was another one as well. But um, I, feel, I feel like it was still someone bigger though. I don't know. Maybe it was the year before. Maybe, maybe it was like David Johnson, but he got yeah, hurt like week week like, one. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking yeah. of. But you know, when he broke his hand, it's, it's just always a little risky. Yeah, I think like drafting like. I don't know. I, I like to just have, like, know that, like, everyone I'm drafting is, um, besides, like, a freak accident in their right. house or something, is going to be playing at least week one. <laughs> um, and for all your draft day needs, a new Goal Line Fantasy Football podcast went up this morning. So uh, make sure you subscribe on all podcast platforms so you get all that good stuff. But um, you bring up Zeke and, you know, Melvin Gordon holding out, too. The Cowboys don't seem like they are anywhere close to bringing Zeke in. Because they offered him that contract this week that would make him the second highest paid running back in the league behind Todd Gurley, but ahead of Le'Veon Bell. And Zeke's just chilling in Cabo, working out with Marshall Falk now. You know, it's like, um, I like we, we know, like, we don't know, right? But you mm-hmm. would imagine Zeke wants to be the highest paid running Absolutely. back in the NFL. And also, too, like, whenever those things get leaked, you never know, like, what the guaranteed money on that is, which is also, like, a pretty big... I remember, like, Le'Veon Bell last year... You know, wanted that was like his mm-hmm. entire, you know, goal with withholding out and everything was getting more guaranteed money. And you know, the Steelers said that they put an offer, but then it came out that the offer like only had like what like fifteen million guaranteed or mm-hmm. something like that. So, um, yeah, like it's it's impossible to say like what exact you know contract he was just offered. But I, I think if he's not at least maybe not necessarily the most guaranteed money, but if he's not at least you know on paper, like, the quote-unquote highest-paid running back, I, I I don't see him taking that. Um, and, you know, like, you could say it's deserved for him, right? Because, I mean, he is, like, a very, very Top large... Top four running back in the league. He, and- Todd Gurley gets that contract, and not to downplay, like, Todd Gurley's impact, and you'll see that again this year when, like, he's going to be kind of a little more in the backseat than mm-hmm. he's been. But, you know, he was someone that was, like, a really focal point of that offense, but still a great offense overall, where it's, like, Dallas, like, without Zeke... I don't know where that team is. Yeah. Like genuinely, I, like I, they've I, built that roster around Ezekiel Elliott to make their team be a run-first team, and yeah. we've seen other running backs come in when Zeke got suspended and everything, and they perform well because of that offensive line. But it was nowhere near the level of what Zeke's able to do for the Cowboys. And uh, something very interesting too: uh, a couple days ago, Joe Thomas, former Browns uh, offensive lineman, has a podcast with uh, Andrew Hawk now. Um, he uh, tweeted, you know, throughout the course of NFL history, if you're the best player at your position, parentheses, or clearly one of the best, when you re-sign a second contract with the team that drafted you, you usually beat the highest paid current contract at your position by 15 to 20%. And that got a retweet from Ezekiel Elliott. Shade. And you, you always have, like, Jerry Jones is, like, Zeke one too. of the most, uh, I think, like, vocal owners in, like, all of sports and, like, you know, you can't name like too many other owners of like big teams, but with like Dallas, I think he he might be the most like visible. I think out of out of everyone, um, you know, yeah, he he's going into the uh, the media talking about like ZQ and talking about uh, you know, I've earned like the right to uh, to joke about it and stuff like this and these it's you wonder if it's gonna get a little more heated and if you if you really aren't gonna see Zeke, you know, for. 10 games this year, um, which, I mean, if you're talking from, like, an Eagles perspective, you know, like, the Cowboys were really the only other team in the division that you, you're kind of focused on coming mm-hmm. into the year, um, so that might be better for us. Yeah, I mean, Zeke, hold out till you get your money, man. Same thing with Dak Prescott. Like, just yeah, don't Dak show Prescott, up. like, 
Do get, not get give up 40 to get forty million a year. Even get ask for fifty. Like you know, why not push push the limits? Um, but another interesting thing around the NFL that came out last night was uh, Mike Lombardi. You know that clown that Jason Kelsey talked about during his uh, Super Bowl parade speech. He now works for the Athletic, and uh, he tweeted. Trade winds blowing hard in the NFL. Stay tuned. This was at 6.33 p.m. last night. Um, and then apparently on his podcast, he brought up that there is a big-name wide receiver that is more than likely going to get moved that would, quote, shock everyone. Big-name wide receiver that could get moved. Uh... The first one that came to my mind is A.J. Green. But that also wouldn't shock anyone because the Bengals are just bad. First person that came to mind was DeAndre Hopkins, but I can't imagine yeah. for any reason why the Texans would move. Somebody him. commented Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, they have what Godwin is like. They have like, Chris Godwin, who is like on the up and up, yeah. and then they have OJ Howard at tight end. But they lost Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson this off season. But that was an interesting name that huh. I saw, and then I also saw uh, one of the SB Nation Dolphins uh, reporters. <laughs> Said that Kenny Stills. Would that be shocking though? Because like they had, they've, they've had like some pretty uh, visible beef with Kenny Stills. Yeah. Like they played the uh, the Jay Z songs over. Yeah. No, like <laughs> they're really no longer hashtag my dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I've been very upset <laughs> with uh, some of the uh, some of the off the field stuff. I guess with uh, the Dolphins this summer. Yeah. So Kenny Stills is a name that was brought up, and a bunch of other just Dolphins players that are on the trade block. Including former Eagle Kiko Alonso, um, Dolphins are a rough watch, man. But I am very interested to see uh, this this trade wind blowing to see when that goes down because that could also involve Jadavion Clowney, um, who's another name that has been thrown around probably for the last month uh, since he is playing on the franchise tag and all that good stuff. So um, we'll see. According to some clown named Mike Lombardi. Um, I don't know if you saw this too last night or this morning, I should say, Matt. USA Basketball lost for the first time in uh, well over a decade to Australia. Um, I just—it's what happens when guys are uh, not playing for the team. Yeah, it's you know, there's a lot of Celtics on that team, which is like funny for us, yes. of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange. Like I've never seen so many people turn down USA bids. Like you know, and it's like. Just the FIBA World Cup, so it's not you know like the Olympics where, you know like, the Olympics I think mean a little more to like us and Team USA, and you don't want to downplay like the World Cup or anything, but I, I think that plays a part in it too, and like a, really all of the top level guys were like, no, like I'm taking the summer, but it's it's interesting, like even someone like Shamit like de- declined his bid, mm-hmm. um, like Warren, like uh, you know he, I think he had like something that he like wanted to go in for like something personal, but. You know, like, I've seen this a lot, you know, with just guys turning on these bids, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, because, like, Team USA used to pretty much always be a thing that, like, you wanted to be on that. Mm-hmm. Like, it could elevate, you know, your stock a little bit and your brand, and, you know, also you could, like, play for the country, which is a, a pretty cool experience, I'm sure. So, I, it is a little strange to see so many guys this year that, that did decline, and, you know, it does show how deep the USA is, though, yeah. that you could have, like, you know, I think this is, like team like j yeah. of, of like possible the, outcomes uh, and it's still like a team that's you know australia is probably outside of the usa like a, a top three top three top five kind of team so you know and it, was, it was a close game as well it wasn't like they the, i think it was mm-hmm. 98 94 but 
you know, it, it is it is a little strange seeing the USA lose because it's just not something you see very yeah. often. But it's not exactly the we're not exactly sending our best. <laughs> right. Uh, and the final roster was just locked in about an hour ago, uh, and it will include Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, Jason Tatum, Harrison Barnes, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Brooke Lopez. I mean, you have like just like a handful of all-stars on there mm-hmm. and that's that's it um yeah like it, it is strange you know just when you look at that roster compared to just past even yeah. the last FIBA world cup we sent a, a pretty strong team too so yeah it's um it's a it's a different change i'll be honest like i'm not super invested in how mm-hmm. team usa does like i want them to obviously win in the olympics but as far as like you know the world cup or anything it's concerned i'm like not really yeah. not really all that bothered to be truthful um and then in sixers news mike scott continues his uh media tour and everything and things coming out and uh he said that sixers fans should boo the shit out of jimmy butler <laughs> i mean and he said he's gonna boo the shit out of him with us <laughs> i'm cool with it um yeah i don't like have any like necessarily negative feeling yeah. towards jimmy butler but like we, we first of all philly will boo like anything mm-hmm. we boo our own team so like it the, the question in the debate about Jimmy Butler getting booed was solved when he left the team. Like, mm-hmm. he's absolutely getting booed. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. and you, one thing I kind of hate is, like, you know, like, and I, I don't mind, like, the player empowerment angle from, like, you know, guys should be able to move and, like, kind of define their own circumstances mm-hmm. in life. One thing that I don't like has come out of that is, like, well, you know, you can't boo guys because, like, you know, they just move jobs. And it's like, sure, but, like, also, like, sport isn't always defined by logic it's right. like a lot of it is by emotion and like the guy left your team so like i don't know is it, it's not necessarily wrong to boo him either like he jimmy miller didn't do this organization like dirty i wouldn't say like he wasn't he wasn't a snake he didn't like force his way out really we at least got like good value but i don't know like i don't think it's just like i don't look down on people that are like yeah i'm gonna boo him or like i don't like jimmy butler anymore and like yeah that's fine you know i, I think too like people too often want to be like at the forefront of like this like very noble cause to, mm-hmm. to care about the players and like that's fine like i think they deserve it and they deserve to have all their share and everything but like you know that doesn't mean that like people can't get upset about them leaving their favorite team you know like at the yeah. end of the day so so uh and mike scott pretty much said that like he didn't know jimmy butler until mike was traded here mm-hmm. um and he knew him for a couple months and that's really it. he doesn't really know much about jimmy butler and uh you know it's it's he said it on our show best you know if you're not with us it's all the curse words put together um so yeah boo jimmy butler with mike scott um like we said though uh we've got our live fantasy football draft on twitch tonight around 7 30 we'll probably probably be live right here at underground studios myself mikey and dylan and we're going to podcast that whole thing, too, and launch it later this week. So if you can't make it to the live stream, it'll be podcasted and put up as a goal line episode. Um, so make sure you're there. And make sure you check out our friends over at Design Tree. Um, we had a monster sale yesterday for uh, the Friday 50 sale. Had a bunch of people buy shirts from us. So that is greatly appreciated um, for those who took advantage of that. And... Uh, you can still use the promo code DSGN5 for $5 off at checkout. We launched a new Eagle shirt, the On the Road to Victory shirt. Not sure if you saw this one yet, Matt. It is nice. Um, nice little street sign action there. 
and uh, we've got all your all your classic shirts from our old storefront. So the the gritty supreme that you see behind Matt here, the Ben Simmons triple double machine, our throwback hit in season, the Aaron Nola twenty seven with the Florida Lee is in there. Our outside the box collection is on there as well, and obviously the OTB and the Underground Sports logo tees are up there too. And uh, you can get all that good stuff. Just search Design Tree on Twitter at DSGN Tree or go to designtree.com and then search slash underground dash sports dash Philadelphia and it'll take you right to our storefront and use that promo code DSGN5 for $5 off at checkout. High school football is right around the corner too, Matt. Dan Russo show will be making a return and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Vineland's got a lot of uh, good players coming back including Ryan Shelton, Tyreen Powell, and a bunch of new faces in there as well. I was at their red and gray scrimmage last week, and it uh, looks like it's going to be a very exciting season for Violent High School football. So we know the Dan Russo Show is a very popular show on our feed. So uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews to get all of the shows that are on the network right now. And uh, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. Make sure you enter our Bryce Harper Tops baseball card giveaway that ends on September 2nd. Um, we're giving away three of those bad boys. They are limited edition. It was a 24-hour run that Tops did, so we got our hands on a few of them to give away. And uh, make sure you're following Herm and Alex on Twitter as well as they're up in Albany uh, covering the PLL for us for Outside the Box. And uh, we'll be back live with you guys on Wednesday. Hopefully talking about a Phillies series win against the Marlins, but... Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. Uh, And then we'll be getting ready for uh, the final Eagles preseason game and whatever other news may come up and announcements we may have. But uh, as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. It's been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 161. For Matt, I'm Kyle. Make sure you're following us on Twitch for the live stream tonight, and we will catch you guys on Wednesday. Peace.